my dear comrades here is sending across revolutionary greetings to each one of you who is listening to my podcast this particular um, episode or the episodes to come is an attempt to engage and try to understand karl marx's das kapital so what we will be essentially doing is reading the book together so let's begin das kapital by karl marx volume 1 book 1 the process of production of capital part 1 commodities and money chapter 1 commodities section 1 the two factors of a commodity use value and value open brackets the substance of value and the magnitude of value close brackets the wealth of those societies in which the capitalist mode of production prevails presents or appears itself as open quote an immense accumulation of commodities close quote its unit being a single commodity the wealth of those societies in which the capitalist mode of production prevails presents itself as an immense accumulation of commodities its unit being a single commodity our investigation must therefore begin with the analysis of a commodity <clears throat> a commodity is in the first place an object outside us a thing that by its properties satisfies human wants of some sort or another the nature of such wants whether for instance they spring from the stomach or from fancy makes no difference neither are we here concerned to know how the object satisfies these wants whether directly as means of subsistence or indirectly as means of production every useful thing as iron paper etc may be looked at from the two points of view of quality and quantity it is an assemblage of many properties and may therefore be of use in various ways to discover the various uses of things is the work of history so also is the establishment of socially recognized standards of measure for the quantities of these useful objects the diversity of these measures has its origin partly in the diverse nature of the objects to be measured partly in convention the utility of a thing makes it a use value but this utility is not a thing of air being limited by the physical properties of the commodity it has no existence apart from that commodity a commodity such as iron corn or a diamond is therefore so far as it is a material thing a use value something useful 
This property of a commodity is independent of the amount of labor required to appropriate its useful qualities, such as dozens of watches, yarns of linen, or tons of iron. The use values of commodities furnish the material for a special study, that of the commercial knowledge of commodities. Use values become a reality only by use or consumption. They also constitute the substance of all wealth, whatever may be the social form of that wealth. In the form of society we are about to consider, they are, in addition, the material depositories of exchange value. Exchange value, at first sight, presents itself as a quantitative relation, as the proportion in which values in use of one sort are exchanged for those of another sort, a relation constantly changing with time and place. Hence, exchange value appears to be something accidental and purely relative and consequently an intrinsic value, that is, an exchange value that is inseparably connected with inherent in commodities seems a contradiction in terms. Let us consider the matter a little more closely. A given commodity, example, a quarter of wheat is exchanged for X blacking, Y silk or Z gold, etc. In short, for other commodities in the most different proportions. Instead of one exchange value, the wheat has therefore a great many. But since X blacking, Y silk or Z gold etc. each represents the exchange value of one quarter of wheat, X blacking, Y silk, Z gold etc. must, as exchange values, be replaceable by each other or equal to each other. Therefore, first, the valid exchange values of a given commodity express something equal. Secondly, exchange value generally is only the mode of expression, the phenomenal form of something contained in it, yet distinguishable from it. Let us take two commodities, example corn and iron. <clears throat> the proportions in which they are exchangeable, whatever those proportions may be, can always be represented by an equation in which a given quantity of iron is equated to some quantity of iron. Example, one quarter corn is equal to XCWT iron. What does this equation tell us? It tells us that in two different things, in one quarter of corn and XCWT of iron, there exists in equal quantities something common to both. The two things must therefore be equal to a third, which in itself is neither the one nor the other. Each of them, so far as it is exchange value, must therefore be reducible to this third. A simple geometrical illustration will make this clear. In order to calculate and compare the areas of rectilinear figures, we decompose them into triangles. But 
the area of the triangle itself is expressed by something totally different from its visible figure namely by half the product of the base multiplied by the altitude <coughs> in the same way the exchange values of commodities must be capable of being expressed in terms of something common to them all of which thing they represent a greater or, or less quality quantity <coughs> this common something cannot be either a geometrical or chemical or any other natural property of commodities such properties claim our attention only in so far as they affect the utility of those commodities make them use values but the exchange of commodities is evidently an act characterized by a total abstraction from use value then one use value is just as good as another provided only it be present in sufficient quantity or as old barbon says open quote one sort of wares are as good as another if the values be equal there is no difference or distinction in things of equal value and 100 pounds worth of lead or iron is of as great value as 100 pounds worth of silver or gold as coat close coat as use values commodities are above all of different qualities but as exchange values they are merely different quantities and consequently do not contain an atom of use value if then we leave out of consideration the use value of commodities they have only one common property left that of being products of labor but even the product of labor itself has undergone a change in our minds if we make abstraction from its use value we make abstraction at the same time from the material elements and shapes that make the product a use value we see in it no longer table a house yarn or any other useful thing its existence as a material thing is put out of sight neither can it any longer be regarded as the product of the labor of the joiner the mason the spinner or of any other definite kind of productive labor along with the useful qualities of the products themselves we put out of sight both the useful character of the various kinds of labor embodied in them and the concrete forms of that labor there is nothing left but what is common to them all all are reduced to one and the same sort of labor human labor in the abstract let us now consider the residue of each of these products it consists of the same unsubstantial reality in each a mere congelation of homogeneous human labor of labor power expended without regard to the mode of its expenditure all that these things now tell us is that human labor power has been expended in their production that human labor is embodied in them when looked at as crystals of this social substance common to them all they are values we have seen that when commodities are exchanged 
their exchange value manifests itself as something totally independent of their use value. But if we abstract from their use value, there remains their value as defined above. Therefore, the common substance that manifests itself in the exchange value of commodities, whenever they are exchanged, is their value. The progress of our investigation will show that exchange value is the only form in which the value of commodities can manifest itself or be expressed. For the present, however, we have to consider the nature of value independently of this its form. A use value or useful article, therefore, has value only because human labor in the abstract has been embodied or materialized in it. However, then, is the magnitude of this value to be measured? How do we do it? Plainly, by the quantity of the value-creating substance, the labor contained in the article. The quantity of labor, however, is measured by its duration and labor time in its turn finds its standard in weeks, days and hours. Some people might think that if the value of a commodity is determined by the quantity of labor spent on it, the more idle and unskilled the laborer, the more valuable would his commodity be, because more time would be required in its production. <coughs> The labor, however, that forms the substance of value is homogeneous human labor and this expenditure of one uniform labor power. The total labor power of a society which is embodied in the sum total of the values of all commodities produced by that society counts here as one homogeneous mass of human labor power composed though it be of innumerable individual units. Each of these units is the same as any other so far as it has the character of the average labor power of society and takes effect as such. That is, so far as it requires for producing a commodity, no more time than is needed on an average, no more than is socially necessary. The labor time socially necessary is that required to produce an article under the normal conditions of production and with the average degree of skill and intensity prevalent at the time. The introduction of power looms into England probably reduced by one half of the labor required to weave a given quantity of yarn into cloth. The handloom weavers, as a matter of fact, continued to require the same time as before, but for all that, the product of one hour of their labor represented after the change only half an hour's social labor and consequently fell to one half its former value. We see then that which determines, we see then that that which determines the magnitude of the value of any article is the amount of labor socially necessary or the labor time socially necessary for its production. Each individual commodity in its connexion is to be considered as an average sample of its class. 
commodities therefore in which equal quantities of labor are embodied or which can be produced in the same time have the same value the value of one commodity is to the value of any other as the labor time necessary for the production of the one is to that necessary for the production of the other open quote as values all commodities are only definite masses in italics congealed labor time close quote the value of a commodity would therefore remain constant if the labor time required for its production also remained constant but the latter changes with every variation in the productiveness of labor this productiveness is determined by various circumstances amongst others by the average amount of skill of the workman the state of science and the degree of its practical application the social organization of production the extent and capabilities of the means of production and by physical conditions for example the same amount of labor in favorable seasons is embodied in 8 bushels of corn and in unfavorable only in 4 the same labor extracts from rich mines more metal than from poor mines diamonds <coughs> excuse me diamonds are of very rare occurrence on the earth's surface and hence their discovery costs on an average a great deal of labor time consequently much labor is represented in a small compass jacob doubts whether gold has ever been paid for its for at its full value this applies still more to the diamonds according to estwich the total produce of the brazilian diamond mines for the 80 years ending in 1823 had not realized the price of 1 and 1/2 years average produce of the sugar and coffee plantations of the same country although the diamonds cost much more labor and therefore represented more value with richer mines the same quantity of labor would embody itself in more diamonds and their value would fall if we could succeed at a small expenditure of labor in converting carbon into diamonds their value might fall below that of bricks in general the greater the productiveness of labor the less is the labor time required for the production of an article the less is the amount of labor crystallized in that article and the less is its value and vice versa the less the productiveness of labor the greater is the labor time required for the production of an article and the greater is the value the value of a commodity therefore varies directly as the quantity and inversely as the productiveness of the labor incorporated in it a thing can be a use value without having value this is the case whenever its utility to man is not due to labor such as air virgin soil natural meadows etc a thing can be useful and the product of human labor 
without being a commodity. Whoever directly satisfies his wants with the produce of his own labor creates indeed use values but not commodities. In order to produce the latter, he must not only produce use values but use values for others, social use values. Open bracket. And not only for others without more, the medieval peasant produced quit rent corn for his feudal lord and tith corn for his parson. But neither the quit rent corn nor the tith corn became commodities by reason of the fact that they had been produced for others. To become a commodity, a product must be transferred to another whom it will serve as a use value by means of an exchange. Close brackets. Lastly, nothing can have value without being an object of utility. If the thing is useless, so is the labor contained in it. The labor does not count as labor and therefore creates no value.